0: Okay, 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 we back, we back, we back, we back,
1: we live. Uh, Hello, my name's Adam. Hi, I'm Calvin. And this is One for the Books. Basically, this is a podcast um, about history. It could be anything, depending on the week. Whatever me and Calvin decide to look up, uh, we are going to uh, study it, come back, uh, study it separately, come back and talk about it. Uh, This week, we've chosen epidemics, but as the weeks go on, we could talk about uh, Michael Collins we could decide to talk about the, contracept- the contraception chain in the 70s we could talk about everything man uh, we could talk about um, death in our society we can talk about the American uh, elections we can talk about whatever, whatever we want um, whatever takes our fancy uh, week in week out we're going to research it independently and then come back together and record ourselves talking about it
0: yeah uh, so as any good historian would do we've decided to Go check different sources, do all the which we will leave below, as any good historian would do, perfect, and today, as Adam stated, we are starting off on epidemics or pandemics or diseases, any sort of bad thing that happened in Ireland or abroad, yeah, so where do you want to kick off?
1: yeah, so basically, I think the um I think just talking about chronologically would probably be the best thing to do, so. Um, I found a fantastic article by B, Um, by I think his name is Brendan Brendan D. Kelly. Um, and he has a fantastic article, and it talks about pandemics throughout the ages. And basically, we obviously didn't know much about pandemics. We didn't like before like, modern medicine. We didn't know what side of them what um and what could definitely be helped to uh to combat them. So, but, uh, what I found really interesting was that um in 1856 part 5 of the in, the census which is like the four year survey that's centered uh, in Ireland and um, there was a census for 1851 and part 5 of that came out in 1856 and one of the co-authors was actually Oscar Wilde's father William and he was like a prominent physician at the time um he was actually knighted uh, 10 years later uh, for the work he put into the census uh, so basically what Wilde and his kind of colleagues did was they looked at the annals uh, in Irish history. Uh, Calvin, do you want to talk to us about annals for a quick second? I do a quick explanation. That?
0: So, annals was one of the worst things I learned about in when I was studying history in college. Because, side
1: note, me and Calvin studied, uh, we both have hence
0: a, why we have a history podcast.
1: <laughs> we both have a BA in uh, history,
0: gang, gang. Anyway, uh, I just hate looking at the annals because. Uh, it was just a lot of jibber jabber, especially the really old ones. So it was kind of like a yearly, like on a yearly basis, they kind of just sum up what happened in the year, right? They're kind of like, they go out tr- throughout the whole year, they kind of be like, this many people kind of died. But the really old ones, because I was just looking at the ones like yeah, yeah. 400s, so
1: you're looking at, you're looking at like from 400s, like early, early Christian Ireland, the whole way through. What um, the monk, it, ba- usually from monks and whatever monks from whatever monasteries would a, a,
0: a lot of times at, at that kind of early stage of Irish history, it's kind of the only primary source that you could gather at that time, really. A lot of it was.
1: Yeah, and a lot of like sc- sc- um, scripts and stuff. And people, and I think annals are, can often be misconstrued as to, because they're religious, but it's not because they're religious. It's just that people back then, monks were one of the only types of people that could actually read or write back then so that's, w- the monks? that's why we have um such great uh, primary source material from there so anyway what Wilde did was he studied these um annals and basically really it was just full of like obituaries of priests and abbots and stuff like that and um, bishops and monks that have died um through significant events or maybe other things that have happened like such and such became a new bishop or whatever uh, and out of these annals they made what we know now as the table of Co- let me show, hold on Cosmical phenomena, epizootics, famine, and pestilences in Ireland. And this started all the way from the pagan pre Christian period, the whole way through. And the first entry in this table um, counts back to, again, these four, 500 um, AD, where 5,000 well, 5, men and 4,000 women uh, died in one week in Tala, owing to this sudden epidemic, um, which is kind of like unexplained. And what, what I found really interesting is. The Tala is actually, uh, comes from the Irish name Taulach, which is like the, um, the, the uh, how, do I, how do I say it, uh, how did I write it down here, Plague Memorial. And this is how we know the great, the great town of Tala, uh, just uh, in Dublin. Um, so I'm just going to rattle off a couple of these different kind of epidemics that um, happened in, like before, I suppose, the year uh, 1000. So the annals of Boyle recorded a great pestilence, um, which we know as the Blue Connell in the year 666, um, this is when Jermud and Blahmock, the two kings of Ireland, died, as did Fecan of Four and many others. And then in 1675, disease called the pox, or an Irish bulge, uh, this, according to one and his colleagues, evidently was the smallpox, pox, uh, of which m- many distinguished persons died. So we don't know, maybe, look, we don't really have a great idea about numbers, but we know that a lot of people died back then. Um, and we, we know that certain big people would have died and then we also have these mysteries we have these like deaths that we can't really explain because of how bad the sources are so in 678 loch ney was turned into blood like we don't really know what that means we can only kind of interpret that into our own way and the following year saw universal pestilence as england and ireland were ravaged by it in 679 the year 695 saw the cattle pestilence and there was great cow mortality and then we have um, in seventeen in seven hundred and forty two we have the bulgak which was another smallpox. The last one here was in uh, in this bulgak dragons were seen in the sky. So they obviously weren't unless we they know something we don't. But um, there's some there's there's that's why we can't really kind of rely on these because yeah. it's myth. I
0: think that's kind of the more interesting thing when we were researching this. Kind of what I looked into was. Kind of the attitude that they had towards these kind of plagues and diseases that came around where they kind of just saw it more as a miracle or like a gift from God as Ireland has always been so yeah. Christian and that we kind of believe that it was a punishment.
1: Yeah, and that goes... And that carries on for... for well, the rest ca- of our history. Yeah, literally. Uh, up until the Spanish flu, I don't think a plague hit Ireland so badly that they just said it, w- it wasn't a gift from God. So everything was some sort of punishment from God up until modern medicine maybe in the yeah. 1900s and
0: again uh, the other, as you mentioned the weak and all yeah know, yeah yeah you said was good with the yellow clay yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was cool well not cool actually uh, where they had their first outbreak and then 20 years later they had the same outbreak same disease as because the people who had it 20 years ago kind of gained immunity from it but then their kids didn't and then they kind of passed it on to their kids
1: so if a child caught it in the first wave when they were like six
0: yeah he'd probably be G but like the kids who didn't and were born a couple of years yeah. later the, the, it didn't the disease didn't go away yeah it just goes to show then and obviously there wasn't vaccines and six. stuff yeah, like that course. back then yeah. so that was kind of
1: like our research into the early um stages of the of epidemics and then we kind of fast forward into the first where we where we can actually have really good sources which would have been the black plague in Europe yeah um do you want to say a few bits on that Kevin? Well,
0: I think uh, if, for those who don't know about the black plague, uh probably yeah, I, I would I would definitely say it's worse than the kind of virus that's going around now as uh, it wiped out what 60 well, some sources differ, 60 to 40% of it wiped out of the European population. Yeah, European
1: Europe so Yeah, so like I, it was
0: kind of it was transmitted most from rats traveling on boats and stuff and that's, from from Asia over time. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, um, well, across all of Europe. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Of course. Um, one of the really uh, interesting things I learned there was I think it was the four, 13th or fourteenth century. And um, the Pope, Pope, Gregory, at the time, he um, banned cats. He wanted to er- eradicate all cats, and Fair. unfortunately, a lot of cats saw 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 the old chop. I'm okay with um, that due to that. But well, look, you're either a cat or dog person. You can't be both. You can't. Um, basically. Uh Gregory said no more cats and all these cats were killed. Jokes on him. What ha- what unfortunately happened then was that there oh, were, there was a massive surplus of rats.
0: That makes so much sense. Now
1: though. look, whether that's look, you might well, have, to, it's true you might have now. to you might have to you might have to I am, me there. I am proofing this. Okay, this is yeah. well, down in his inter- look, I would like the black plague was coming anyway, but at least the
0: the it, cats it, would've kill a few of the rats. It definitely escalated
1: the situation that's mad
0: yeah uh, can you give us kind of like a quick insight into what like quarantining was like back in the th- 1300s yeah so if you
1: caught the black plague basically
0: and uh, they call it black because of the effect that had on your body you turn very
1: gray or black um a lot especially like around the glands your armpits um basically where you would get checked now if you had a cold but your breathing would be um would become very tough would be very tough to breathe and what and the big thing here is and i think it's different because especially now if people were to catch COVID-19, they might. Um, I often hear like, oh, I caught it, my brother caught it, but my, my dad didn't get it. and I, I, Which is obviously like so bizarre. So but there was he, no sort of asymptomatic things for the Black Plague? I not? There's not. Any records? Uh, any well, well, there couldn't be any records because they didn't know what asymptomatic was back then. They didn't know but a what lot. But they did know was it was very contagious. Um, so if one person got in the family, everybody would get it. And what we loved there was that there'd be a white X on the door of the, of the houses that had people sick in it so they'd know not to go near them or if they saw anybody leaving it you know, imagine if they did that now like
0: if, if someone had like Rona that they just put an X on your door
1: yeah like to stay inside and like there's as well like but the thing is it
0: worked it, it, like, it really did work. like in big huge cities like Rome and stuff like that at the time these big X's on the doors kind of segregated these people from intermission with the society and it worked in stopping yeah l- whether yeah, the people exactly. died or not well, sure, Unfortunate when But
1: When me and Kevin did a college, uh, A module in college um, Death and disease Wasn't it? Yes Health and medicine And stuff Shout out Juliana 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 Edelman uh, or One of our fantastic lecturers In DCU um, One of the what I think we learned Was in Venice Because it was all, It was so Everyone was travelling Between the little islands in, in the city um, They they sanctioned off One of the islands And they just put Anybody that was sick on it And that's where they'd go And I
0: think that's kind of The first The uh, Case in Europe, but this is just me kind of hypothetically speaking. But where I'm I'm nearly sure that they uh, they banned inter country travel, I know they did it for the yellow plague, they banned travel from Ireland to England at the time because of yeah, yeah, there was so many cases of this. Case. Yeah, I think it's just interesting to look at kind of like a travel ban in such a weird time and yeah. such an old time in history.
1: But like, I think what needs to be looked at then as well, like how it spread so quickly, and basically not just comes down to being unsanitary so i, I i'm i a teacher and when i when i show the the black Plague to my to the students i show them what a street would have looked like in in middle ages back then and it's cramped it's this the, the conditions are horrendous not enough houses for the people that are living in the towns and their excrement from the house is being collected in a bucket and chucked out into the streets there's no drainage there's no plumbing there's no toilets and um, they all use the one well and one thing i learned from the black plague actually was that the jewish community was massively segregated because of this, because the Jewish people weren't getting it as bad as other people were. This is mainly in Europe, and so Jewish quarters of towns wouldn't be rife with the Black Plague. But one of the the big thing here was that they weren't using the same well as, uh, like say the 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 main Christian yeah. like group. So all these Jewish people were using their own well, or they were using their own kind of sort source of water supply, and from that. They wouldn't catch the disease as quickly wow. or as contagiously as as the others. As else. yeah. But unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of towns and countries and stuff took prejudice against Jews and um, Jewish communities, and anti-Semitism was on the rise. Anti-Semitism
0: from that far away is just crazy to see. Look how it still was prevalent Instilled and still is prevalent. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think just the last time there in the Black Plague there was a society back then obviously the feudal system we had the king we had the lords we had the knights and then we had the the peasants and what happened was so many peasants were wiped out that the ones that were working on the farms for free that were owned by the lord and the, uh, and the king kind of had to start saying look we don't have enough work we don't have enough people to do all this work you need to start paying us more and so this saw a lot more like independence within um, within the pe- within the peasantry community, and again with that, I think Irish nationalism and republicanism would they didn't know it at the time, obviously, but they would have definitely have um benefited from this because during the Black Plague, the people in the towns were dying, and the people in the towns were all the the commonwealths, the English like the English r- rich people, so they were all dying, and all these r- rich English families that had settled in Ireland. Were getting sick And they were dying But the people over In the west of Ireland So the actual workers The Irish The Gaelic yeah. Irish They were still alive
0: So kind of Then the people Who were living in rural All the time Kind of moved into The cities after right Yeah but After like
1: people we, died Yeah Because there's There's a bit more room For spread But also That the English rule Wasn't very strong At that time So there was kind of Like the numbers Wouldn't have been the same Coming up to all these rebellions That we see in the 18th And 19th century And into the 20th wouldn't have been the same maybe What well, if it were not if it weren't for the black plague.
0: Yeah. And then like kind of fast forwarding into the nineteenth century is kind of when I kind of found out how bad the nineteenth century actually was. So like we we're we're here, we're worrying about the whole virus that's going on now. But we don't have to worry about typhoid. We don't have to worry about smallpox. We don't have to worry about what else what else happening? Yeah, uh, cholera cholera as well. Typhus, yeah, typhus, <laughs> smallpox, cholera all just back to back to back, tuberculosis, TB as well. Now listen, don't get me wrong. I like, mm. I like history, but I think living in the nineteenth century would have been a bit rough.
1: No, like we all, I think we we love the idea of like Prentel and uh, O'Connell and the the Ireland that that it was, but I don't. There weren't many people seeing the past the age fifty back then.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a that's a big thing. Like just kind of the average age of people about it. dying. It was. Very, very low.
1: Yeah. So I think there was a p- epidemic in 18... A typhus epidemic in 1816 and 17 that killed over 65 people out of over the 1.5 million infected. And so when you look at 65,000 out of 1.5 million, yeah. it's obviously, in a percentage, it's what, less than 10. But it's st- that's still a lot of people to die. One of six such epidemics in the 19th century, while an outbreak of cholera in the 1830s killed another 15,000.
0: And then, of course on top of all of these diseases that were going around, you have the famine again, and yeah, then the you Hale have wars in, in, yeah. in between. Just a rough, it rough It wasn't century. a great time to be alive. No, no, yeah. no. That was definitely, the 19th century, not one for the books, 100%.
1: Going back to the quarantine and part of the, um, these kind of uh, diseases in the 18th and 19th, in the 19th century especially, there are these things called fever hospitals, and they're being put in to these fever hospitals, but really nothing was happening here that was any good to the people that are in it the only thing that the that ireland would have contributed from these fever hospitals um would have been the uh the fact that if you're in a fever hospital you weren't outside infecting other people mm. so it's just a way to quarantine people but they were obviously trying to do all this like herbal medicines and they were trying to fig- trying to help the 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 cholera or the tb or the typhus or whatever but they weren't actually helping people much at all
0: yeah, again, the methods that they used weren't really suited to what was actually happening to them. It was just kind of a general mm. cure. Then I think kind of the next step after that would be the Spanish flu, right? Yeah, just before we do, sorry. Um,
1: you know Charles Stewart Parnell? Yes, I do. So what a, what a fantastic... Oh, I didn't know where you're going with What that. a fantastic story of a man that we could definitely do another podcast. But basically, when Parnell died, he... Oh yeah. Um, he was buried in a typhoid pit so in Glass Nevin Cemetery. In Glass Seven Cemetery, and no, the I now
0: actually hold on. So these mass graves that they kind of dug at the time and put all the typhoid victims in, they would have hundreds and hundreds of people now, in these graves. We I I could not find a written source for this,
1: but me and Calvin went on a T.Y. trip to Glen to Glass Seven uh, on a horticulture trip uh, with our class, and basically. On that trip, the tour guide was told us this, so I hope it's true. Second-hand swords. I, I but can't find. I cannot find for the life of me. I believe him. He was still yeah, like a good trustworthy he, guy. Yeah, he was working there many years. So they buried Parnell in that pit because they were afraid of grave, grave diggers and grave robbers because people are dying so much. But um, the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland, Ali and I, I think Trinity would have been trying to do research on these bodies. So grave robbing was... Big at the time so what they wanted to do is bury Parnell in that typhoid pit so his body wouldn't be touched because they'd be afraid to catch typhoid off the dead bodies um and f- the funeral attendance we've spoke about this before like you could have fit f- five times the amount of garth bruce concerts in croke park in class 7 cemetery the amount of people that were there and that gave Glasgow and, and like cemeteries all over the world. Like they kind of realized that Parnell and O'Connell and all these people are kind of becoming bigger. It, in it kind of it
0: kind of set the precedent of what would happen in the future with these big for celebrity events. deaths. Yeah, yeah, exactly for celebrity deaths. They
1: actually started ticketing these events, and I don't think they made any profit, but it was just the idea of making sure they could crowd control. Yeah, the the, the funerals, which is which is interesting.
0: But yeah, Spanish flu. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead I think then the 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 next the most kind of comparable disease or epidemic to what is happening now would probably be the Spanish flu if I'm not yeah, wrong, yeah like there's yeah. a bit of centenary in the difference yeah there, whereas like years. Uh, 50, 50 million people supposedly suffer from the Spanish flu yeah 20,000 um, twenty thousand twenty five twenty 000,
1: twenty five thousand
0: 25,000 killed in Ireland and 800,000 people supposedly infected. actually infected Yes. yeah
1: so they call it now, I think the big thing here is debunking why they call it Spanish flu they it, not, it has nothing to do with Spain Spain was the only country at the time that didn't have censorship due to the war. So in Ireland and England you couldn't say maybe the bad things that were that was happening on one side of the World War One and vice versa for maybe Germany. Whereas Spain didn't have any censorship laws, so Spain covered this flu really, really badly. I'm sorry, really like greatly as in yeah. they they dug down deep great on it. Yeah, exactly. They provided us with a heap of um, it would have been information. So, because Spain were the only country kind of talking about it at the time, that's why they, we, no, we now so call I it the Spanish know. flu. There you that's go. That's very interesting. Um, and here's another, and this is a fact that I just keep seeing every, every single article, book, or um, kind of third level um, article, uh, journal article that we could find. The Spanish flu in Ireland was responsible for more deaths in Ireland than the East Horizon, War of Independence, and the Civil War combined. Which is like, which is, is mad, I suppose, to think, but at the same time, it's, it gives us an idea of how many people actually died uh, because of this. Yeah. So I think the spread came from after, it kind of comes at the end of World War One. Soldiers are coming home from the war, all in trenches together, <sighs> and then they just. Spread.
0: Imagine surviving World <laughs> War to one, one, to come, come back home and, and then, then die, die from, from the Spanish flu. Oh! It wouldn't that have been. Is, sorry, I don't know why we're having no, so much enjoyment just, from no, this. No, but I just I'm, I'm imagining that it wouldn't have been a great no, time. No, not good vibes at all.
1: Um, and there's a doctor in Ireland at the minute, and her name is Ida Mill, and she um is a big researcher of the um of she's a big researcher of the Spanish flu, uh, and she's kind of very high regarded in in this case. And Doctor Ida Mill, um, when she said, i just I'm quoting here. According to the registry, 20,057 people died in the flu from Ireland, and I have added about 3,000 pneumonia deaths to this. I think the results are quite conservative because doctors were far too busy treating the ill to be that worried about registering to death. I estimated that there's probably about 800,000 cases on the island, uh, if the case fatality rate is 2.5%. So there's so many people getting sick that they were too busy treating the ill than actually trying to count the deaths, and in that um kind of fever hospital respect that we were talking about in the 19th century when you see this again they weren't really treating the spanish flu in the hospitals because well they were trying to obviously but the best thing that they were doing was actually keeping all the sick in these hospitals um so they weren't infecting other people yeah um another thing there i found out was that michael d
0: higgins's
1: law michael d higgins lost his uncle i believe um yeah, Anuk Theron lost an uncle to the Spanish flu and he held a commemoration in the Ars for the centenary. What he said was, despite the fact that it claimed many more lives than the Easter eyes in the War of Independence and the Civil War combined, the great flu is rarely incorporated into the narrative of the 20th century. And I think that links directly to how badly Ireland, as in particular, has handled it. Yeah,
0: and I think like, before even looking into the kind of history of these diseases, I really didn't know anything. Usually when I'm looking into something with history I'm kind of like oh, I have a fair idea of kind of what happened at a time. I have no idea what happened until I looked it up. Definitely not. And, and I again I think that kind of is retrospective of what the country kind of deal, deals with. I'm not going to get political but <laughs> I just think it kind of de- it shows that we haven't really learned anything or been true. And, and again the whole history repeats itself type of thing and we still haven't learned much from it. 100%.
1: Um, there was a, 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 in regards to the Spanish flu when people were dying in hospitals due to this at the same time I think the rising just ended we were in probably in the middle of the civil war sorry the war of, Independent, war. war of independence
0: world war just ended
1: war, 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 world war just ended we just had the the easter rising before that then we now we have the war of independence war of independence and then we have the civil war following the Anglo-Irish Treaty so people were far too concerned with X or Y happening than the flu um, and there's a uh, Really interesting thing here. Um, again, all the sources will be in will be in the will be uh, in the description. We're going to have a WordPress article, and it's going to have all of our uh, all of our sources there. But the flu outbreak saw the postponement of the nineteen eighteen All Ireland final. And what happened there was, um, we have Sir Charles Cameron, and he would have been eighty eight at the time, which is insane. But he would have been like the Dr Tony Holohan that we have today. What he said is, if the public would only wake up to the seriousness of the conditions of things and avoid meeting in crowds, the risk of spreading the infection might be minimised. This is an Irish Times article, I apologise. Um, so that is what uh, the Tony Holohan of the time said. Uh, and although these cultural events like the 1918 uh, All-Ireland Final and stuff were postponed, political rallies were still in full force at the time. And that's it. Goes to show, I suppose, that as much as they, you try and take it seriously, that it's still going to be a won't.
0: Well, again, yeah, as like it kind of shows at the times where I think we're kind of more modern and what we do, but still a lot of people don't adhere to the same things. And then with Ireland going through such a cultural change back then, and on top of that having a disease, mm. kind of makes sense. Well, needs
1: something needs to yeah. take priority. Um, and just to ha- just to put this in retrospect resulted in the death of 1 in 100 men and women uh, between 25 and 34 in Ireland. So uh, COVID-19 obviously has such a, a much harder effect on people with underlying conditions and the elderly, whereas here you had people in their in their middle ages dying uh, from this death. Over 65s were so actually largely immune, which is like a, it's an amazing contrast. It's very to abnormal. An um, and again, no antibiotics at the time. And obviously... In, with breathing one of the big things that we need is oxygen and oxygen was f- used far too late in terms of trying to save these people they only kind of thought and started using the oxygen uh, much later when Spanish flu was kind of ending Um, I don't know about you but that kind of just brings us to the swine flu, Yeah, which yeah
0: uh, I don't think it's really noteworthy in what happens but there was less almost than almost
1: not noteworthy at all compared to how what much, things have gone yeah exactly so in 2009 that was starting in 2009 and my only memory of swine flu would have been in school and a few friends of mine having gotten a couple of days off school. Hand, sa- not even hand sanitizer. That was the first time I had ever seen it. Probably, maybe in the ho- obviously in, yeah, the hospital, in the hospital or whatever. Hospital. But swine flu is for like you know your little thing of uh, Q- pa- pa- what's it called Curex. No, I'll make that up. I don't know. That'd be. Hand sanitizer. yeah, the little thing. I don't know the Purell, name. Purell, okay, thank you. Yeah, so th- there would have been little bottles of uh, like Purell coming out, w- whipping it in uh, uh, school bags. Whereas in the schools last September, there would have been loads already. Yeah. Um, but the flu affected more than 1.4 billion people worldwide. Um, but the mortality rate was very low. Well, yeah, it was particularly bad in Ireland compared to all the other countries, as more than 3,000 3, people in the country got infected um and killed twenty. Yeah. Which is obviously much, much lower. Yeah. But um again, we have to remember this is quite recent, you know, in this history and twenty people did die from the flu. Um Europe it killed more than seventy fu- seven and a half thousand. Um which you could probably which equates again much lower obviously to the coronavirus. Yeah. Across the world globally an estimated um one hundred and fifty one thousand to five hundred thousand people died from the swine flu in the first year, in its first year, which is again a lot of people. Yeah. Um. But we have roughly between twenty and thirty people um, uh, dying in Ireland, and those facts come from uh, Finders International. Um, and again, just when we're talking about international travel and stuff, we have the EU suggesting that no one flies to the US because US and Mexico is where this um was kind of gonna first ha- where yeah. it first
0: happened. So, all in all, did you learn anything new about diseases or epidemics during this? That we have learned nothing. <laughs> you compare history from the 8th, 8th century to now, nothing really has changed. Well,
1: especially well, just especially from the Spanish free on Ireland. Yeah, and, well, this is and the and most
0: kind of equivalent yeah. one. But, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a big part in history now that we're living through such a historical moment that we will look on in centuries to come. Yeah. and we need to learn a lot from what's going on now
1: please God we are we're also left to wonder like how did we go about our daily lives acknowledging the like so, say swine flu just because we were alive back then we didn't really acknowledge, like there was no worry that we were going to catch it 3000 people in the country caught this deadly disease but we didn't really yeah take much from it and um, lightly looked at in schools maybe schools would have definitely kind of in enforced in maybe like you know just not be touched on each other and stuff Um. But and so I saw again another article that social media here wasn't um and afflicted too much by this. But if you were to hopefully this goes on YouTube one day, even the fact that we say COVID nineteen or coronavirus, there's it'll be it picked gonna, up there's in there's the gonna be, There's going to be an an, inf- an information note under this yeah. video saying.
0: Again, I think as technology progresses, kind of the more awareness of diseases and epidemics. If we had Twitter when. uh the Black Plague was around. Pretty sure people wouldn't go outside as much, but well, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know that quarantine would have been a way to ah. If you had Twitter back in the 14th century, I think, I think people maybe. would have just tweeted Do- one hey, f- X on my door, guys. One doctor from
1: Spain, DNs, another doctor in, in Poland during the during the Black Plague, like
0: yeah, I think that would work.
1: <laughs> um. Anyway, so technology has in uh has expanded vastly, and the human race hasn't. Or, yes, or, or that's kind
0: of the way to conclude this kind of episode. Uh, hopefully, uh, in in future episodes, we can
1: maybe rate Michael Collins yeah. on how sexy he was compared to Amy de Valera, but we can't do it. In, how in cute in Roger Casement is. Or how cute Roger Casement case is, of the course. Uh, and maybe would Kenneth Markovich go on a date with me. But un- all we can talk about now is how unfortunate all these diseases were and hopefully how we can learn from them and uh, in the future.
0: unfortunately... The virus has gone around now. Will be one for the books.
1: I think, actually, that's it.
0: I got him. I got him. <laughs> well, I have been Calvin Murphy. That is my full name. And that has been Adam. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And I hope you will tune in again for episode Thank you very two. very much. All the best. Bye bye.